I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal. Small, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Lizzie Francis and Kara Weber are the founding duo behind Brilliant Ventures. Their serial entrepreneurial credentials amplified by a network of go-to market experts with skin in the game and a second proprietary network of the most accomplished, amazing, and connected women in LA. I have to say many times I refer to them as the mayors of the tech world in Los Angeles. Lizzie and Kara really attribute their success to their fantastic partnership, and they told me all about how they met and what prompted them to quit their jobs and stop apologizing for being women. And we are talking about um, life. We're talking about serial killers, right? Correct. That's this uh-huh. is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. serial killers, right. exactly. So brilliant ventures, yeah. which by the way is a brilliant name. <laughs> and um, you know, you I always refer to the two of you as like the the mayor, the women, the female mayors of the LA tech world. Um, and so it's come full circle in regards to entrepreneurs and then going out and raising capital that is investing in women, yeah. which is awesome. And I've known you, Kara, since the mid-90s. Yeah, I think wow, so. Wow, that's kind of crazy. And Lizzie, just got to know you. So I kind of want to go back in time, just how you came to be and what your, your history is. So, you know, Lizzie, let's start with you. Are you from the Los Angeles area? I, my mother was born and raised here, actually, and ended up on the East Coast uh, just after World War II because she was interned in an internment camp. But my mom was born at City of Angels Hospital in 1940. And so I have come full circle by coming back to Los Angeles. But no, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. Wow. So I'm, an, I'm a West Coaster who's come back from the East Coast to her West Coast. Route. And so did you go to college in, in that area or did you leave Washington? No, I went to upstate New York. Karen and I both chose incredibly cold locations for our college experience. Yeah, I went to I Cornell you University. You went to Cornell? Yep. Karen and then Williams. did you go, and then what did you do after Cornell? I decided I really liked the cold, so I went straight to Chicago. <laughs> and <laughs> Which is so cold. It was so cold. I was actually part of that first internet wave just before the first crash that worked in investment research. So for a company called Zach's Investment Research. And we did the first round of lead generation because that first cohort of people who were trading online, um, we would we would sell those leads to brokers, the traditional brokerage firms, which was a really interesting conversation to have you know, back in 99, 2000 with people who didn't understand that the internet was going to actually disrupt the entire financial services. Right. Or the whole world for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And from there ended up parlaying that into a great startup in LA called Lower My Bills, which ended up selling to Experian, uh, which also did leads in the consumer space though. And at the time was the largest online advertiser. And that's where Karen and I collided in LA because we were both recent transplants to Los Angeles through a mutual uh, friend and my closest friend from childhood and and one of Kara's best and closest friends when she moved to Los Angeles. And we at the time were like these two weirdos who were in the tech space. And you were in the financial tech space. Yes. I mean, that's even even like a whole, yeah, I mean, totally non-sexy, but at least you were warm. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So you went to school in, where was it? I went to Williams. Williams, Williamstown, Massachusetts. Right. Beautiful Berkshires. And beautiful town. Gorgeous town. I ended up living there for nine years. That's right. Because I started my first company there with college classmates right. and one of our professors. Yep. Um, and we built the company in Williamstown, or as my friend Bo Peabody, who really was the founder of it, said, 
We were doing Tri- something. It was tripod. 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 Yeah. He said we were doing something. I'm not sure we were building a company, but we were. We were. I mean, I remember talking to you up there and thinking, what are you doing? Why are you living there? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm so grateful that I did. I, that was a magical time in my life. It was my first, it were my first moments out of college. I was from suburban Pittsburgh. Anything that wasn't suburban Pittsburgh was exciting to me. Any bit, because I was, I was a grown up. I was an adult and I got to, you know, in the, in the same way that any young person like in college or maybe right out of college has that experience. So I feel incredibly grateful, not only that the first company I was built a success, was a success, yeah. and, and we sold it in February of 98. Yeah. So I we mean, got to ride of, it for two you years. Did. You did. Yeah. We can point to a very, a handful of companies that succeeded, yeah. um, and that would be succeed equals exit. Yes. Um, and Tripod was one of them. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. But during that time, I met this cute actor. Mm-hmm. Who lived in New York, and so I started commuting back and forth from the Berkshires to New York, which was my life for a long time. Um, moved to New York to be with the cute actor because he had just done this pilot for the show of something about sex and a city. I had no idea what it was. It was some like I thought it was some dirty HBO show, and so he couldn't, you know, a he couldn't leave New York. B he sure didn't want to move to the Berkshires. So I ended up moving to New York. Did my I always I always love talking to people in the digital space about what they did between 2001 2004 because a lot of people from the original which you were both in yeah. went home went home and went home went, and never went to, ever came back or went to yeah. business school or went to like did I mean the stories are always amazing yes and went to large companies then yes. when they started their own businesses that had never needed funding and they were just very entrepreneurial never came back or a lot moved to LA yeah a lot moved to LA a lot and moved I was to LA. and that's what we and that's what we did Mm-mm. because that same year 2001 not only was the internet exploding and not in the good way uh, the, both the imploding. imploding thank you thank you <laughs> People with science degrees probably would have said imploding. <laughs> Ma, the both the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild were threatening to strike that year, so the internet had imploded. Oh, that's right. And my actor husband, there there was no production. Production had been shut down. On anything. That's right. So I, I remember like, that. What should we do? Let's go to LA and for that, a year or two. And here you are. I fell in love with LA so quickly and so powerfully, and I've and I've thought about it. And we've Lizzie and I have talked about it a lot over the years. The women I met here right away were were very different from the women I had known in New York. I listen, I've spent now this is my fourth winter here and um I've reconnected with people that I didn't even realize were here, but I've met a lot of really new interesting women and um it's a very different relationship in different people. There it really is in my New York friends. Yes. Yeah. It's completely different and my and my experience was that Every one of the women that I quickly was drawn to and, and befriended was an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in one form or another, whether it was our mutual friend, Kristen, who introduced yeah. us, who's a writer and learning sort of the, the, the realities of being a, a writer or an actor or a director and how you are, you know, it, you're running a business. You mm-hmm. are your business in a way when you have work in that field to, you know, and I, I could go through a long list, but then meeting Lizzie and literally feeling like I had seen there was one other green alien in the right. city There's and I had found her. I had found the other green beginning. alien in the city. And so when you guys met, were you just became friends and hung and talk? Or did you start talking about, you know, we've actually had this experience together separate, but this tech experience 
and maybe we should figure out what we should do together. Do you think we would raise more money for our next fund? If, how should we answer that to raise the most money for our next <laughs> We've fund? We've been talking about this. We have been talking years, about yeah. We never talked well about plans. anything but the future yeah. of technology yeah. ever. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> no. It was both. It was both. It was well, both. I mean, we were because of the fact that we were the only two people we knew who had the same past, and were actually continuing to sort of ride through that first terrible down market, which had upsides and the implosion in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we did really counsel each other about where we saw things moving and changing. Right, because you all believed. We believed. We all believed. We just knew that everything was overvalued and, you know, yeah. the mortgage industry sort of got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, just a bit. Sorry, a little bit. I remember when I got here and everybody said, well, why don't you go be an assistant at one of the agencies okay. or a studio or something, you know, with a director. And I was like, I just sold a company. What? Are you talking? No, I'm not doing that. But- I remember meeting with a, you know, LA had very, very few digital headhunters at the time. It still has a sort of shockingly small number of established ones, but meeting with one of them at the time who said, oh, the internet, you want an internet job. He said, that's, that kind of didn't work out. We don't do this. That's over. (laughs) That's, that's over. And I remember very clearly in that moment thinking, it's hasn't begun Different, but it's not over like are you i'm sorry what are you talking about and i hadn't even i didn't even know what gil elbaz and eva ho and everybody were off in a building doing and creating adsense and really changing the world and the future of the internet in that way so it was a very different time but we connected and i think it has been a core of the success of our partnership mm-hmm. which any partnership is always a gamble ours has been really for, for me, and I, I know you would say the same, really magical in how fantastic it's been to partner together and be working together. You guys connect really well. We connect really well. And I and I think that we didn't just start talking about tech, but about who we are in our lives. And, you know, right after I met you, I went through some really challenging personal stuff and, and family stuff. And, you know, you've been, I mean, we've been through life. Both. Yeah, together. together, not just at not just the professional, but we had this sort of. It was almost like we were friends, but then we realized there was this deeper layer because of our careers. Right. Versus we met through the right. career and then found a deeper layer. And I layer. wonder. I mean, I think about other partnerships that I know that yeah. are in the venture world yeah. um, that are institutional investors. You know, and, and as you are, you take money from an LP. You are an institutional investor, no matter the size of your fund yes. and your thesis. And I don't know how many of them are really personal friends Mm -hmm. um, because business relationships are funny. Um, You meet the right business person, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know how many children they have. Yes, that's right. You know, and I don't know if that's um, women different. I was going to say, I think that's. I mean, we ask people how many children they have. I do too. We, We talk to. We are. We are definitely. Well, women doing want things to know differently, things. Yes. and we have we made a conscious decision. You connect to be women. We're yes. women, and we're never going to be. This is why we'll never be. You know, and I'm not calling them out specifically. I could say ten names. I'll say Excel. We're never going to be Excel. We're never going to be a, a primarily white male led Silicon Valley fund. No, no. we're never going to be that. Right. We're not. I mean, that. I, I actually think that one of the things that I noticed when I started investing is that. You know, women would tell me things and then they'd say, God, you know, I've never had this kind of conversation with anyone. You hear it all the time. Right. And I'm sure it's the same thing because you're asking them and they're connecting and they feel a comfort that they don't 
need to be on guard when they're talking to you, even though um, you have money to give them. That's yeah. right. And it's not an act. And I think for us, what was so eye-opening about that is when we actually look at people that we invest in, it is at the stage we're at, it really is a lot about the people and a lot of characters oh, that totally. they have. And so for us to be able to actually really pull back the layers and the approach that we take, we get to meet a lot of great people. And yeah. we get to really understand what makes them tick, and that really helps us when we make our decision. For sure. So when did you guys decide, you know what? Like, we're talking to all these amazing people. Um, maybe we should, like, start a fund and see <laughs> that we should invest in all these women and brilliant one. people. It started, so it actually is a long answer to this, but it's it's worth it. About it's worth it to us. It's worth it. To we us. love yeah. telling our own story. It's great. We do. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about it all day. Karen and I have been talking about doing something, whether or not it was. And I think at the time we were more geared towards let's start a business in the more traditional sense that we know. Like we've both started multiple companies. Let's let's build a venture backed business and let's think about something we really want to do. And about four and a half, five years ago, we went to a magical place called Miraval. Uh, which at the time was owned by Steve Case. Um, it's in Arizona, right? Yes. yes. I went there with my daughter last year. Did you do the horse thing? We did do the horse thing. We both are not horse fans. And she, literally, <laughs> when she was a kid, she hated the stink and the whole thing of the yeah. horses. So we both decided we're not doing the horse thing. But we did go... Um, ropes. Ropes. Horse. Yeah. And like the, what's it called? Tell when they, they shoot you across and you're. Oh, we um, did that too. Where you hold the bar and you shoot and you, um, I forget what it's called. Zip lining. Yeah. Zip, zip lining. lining. Yeah, we yeah. did zip lining. We did want to go to the drum thing because you can like get yeah. out of all sorts. They but just in the end, crazy we did a lot of stuff where you sat by the pool and chilled. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and talk. Really and talk important. And had massages. Really important yes. work. Really yes. important work. It was very important. We had That's a great right. time. And I think what you just nailed was. You take time out of the routine that you've created, which is manic, and you leave your kids at home, and you leave your 24-7 jobs at home, and Kara had just had one company go public and had just sold the other one to AOL and had been on planes, trains, and automobiles nonstop 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and just had stopped it because she realized she did actually have two children and a husband. I was a quivering heap of humanity it was. at that point. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah. that is, that's hard to keep up. It's... Well, yeah, and the pros of it are less than the cons at some points in your life, right? When you're 25, it's fun. Right. It's less fun when you're, when you're 40. You know, yeah. For sure. And you have, also, if you have children. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. miss them. Yeah. And that makes it the hardest. It's hard on your yeah. relationship with your partner, and it's mm. hard on the relationship with your children. It's amazing. When I think about that time, like when I think about it in, in telling my professional story and my timeline on my professional life, I think about the fact that Rubicon Project went public in the beginning of 2015, which was four months after AOL bought Adapt TV for 450 million. So I had left Rubicon, gone to Adapt TV to take them through their IPO. I got there and sat down and helped Tim Morse, who was CFO, start writing the S1. I mean, we were ready and then AOL swooped in, which in retrospect, thank you, Lord Tim Armstrong, <laughs> for appearing in that moment. Um, but when I think back on that time, so, you know, from a business, from a LinkedIn profile sense, from an explaining why you should right. invest in me and why I understand startups, like literally in a four month period, I had an IPO and a major exit. Like it was, it was insane. So you start hyperventilating when you start looking backwards. When I, when I look backwards, I don't think about that. You know, like it's not that it's like, 
oh my God, remember that time I went to Singapore for 14 hours? You know, and it's a 42 hour round trip flight. Like that's what, because that's, right, that's, that's your, what you had that's to your, do. That's the reality. That's not, right. so, the headlines aren't your day to day. So you guys took off, you went to Miraville and you chilled. We did. And, and I, talked. We had this realization because we stopped and took a pause that if you sort of, I think all of us grew up in a way where you weren't rewarded for actually being a mom. Or being realistic You about were newly pregnant. Did you say that already? No, I should say. I was she was newly pregnant. Newly pregnant and looked 20 months pregnant, but was That's newly pregnant. <laughs> wow. It's like a wibble wobble. It's amazing. She invented and a whole new kind of pregnancy. I did. She did. I did. 23 months. And yeah, <laughs> it felt like 20, it felt like 10 years. And we just realized, why are we apologizing for the reality? We have these amazing, successful, exactly, reality women, and we've had these successful careers it's not feasible to fly 42 hours to do a 14-hour meeting and still have a meaningful relationship with your family. It's very hard. It's really difficult. And I was, at the time, gestating, which had taken many years to do, our son Jackson. And so it was like this exciting moment. And I thought, you know what? I just do not want to go back to that and miss out. It's taken me years and many doctors and a lot of money to get this little person in me. Like, what, what are we doing? What is this rat wheel? And so... From there, we promptly did not do anything, but we at least planted the seed and talked about what we're going to do much more seriously. And after Jackson was born, uh, I to think... To create something around your lifestyle. Exactly. You, yeah. And we just decided... The so, lifestyle you wanted to live. It was, and it was, it was as much... It was lifestyle, but it was also a bit of having felt as women in technology, like it was a perpetual game of square peg round hole. Right. And I think on that trip... And we didn't mention your sister was with us too. Yes. Lizzie's sister, Margaret Francis, is phenomenal. She's a, a VP of product at Heroku. She's one of the only female VP level at Salesforce. in the Salesforce organization. Yeah. Margaret's amazing too. She was going through her own big major life event at the time. You were newly yeah. pregnant. I was like quivering a heap of, <laughs> of humanity. Yeah. And so it was a very powerful time where we had to be stripped down to just who we were because we were kind of too wiped out by what, our, you know... And so we had to be real. We had to be honest about it. And we just thought, what if we didn't try? What if we didn't try to not be women? What if we didn't try to, you know, be, I mean, quite frankly, and no, and I, I admire her so much, but I've always held Sheryl Sandberg in this place of like, shouldn't I be going the Sheryl Sandberg route? Shouldn't I be trying to be that where I'm a very senior executive at a very big company and have major influence over people and, and to realize just like Excel and the and the boys, you know, starting the venture funds, and that's not me either. Well, you know, it's an interesting topic. Cheryl is someone to look up to for many women in regards to her job and her level than an influence over one of the largest companies in the globe. Um, yet she's not an entrepreneur, mm -mm. and so you know, it's a very different role. Um, which is, you know, if you read her book, it's the one that she had been interested in since she came out of the womb. And that's who she is. Yes. Um, but I think most of the women that I talk to and that you talk to and who you are, are entrepreneurs. And it's a very different mindset. Um, you can own your life at that level. And you're certainly entrepreneurial because if you're not, you can't have that role. Yeah. But it's very different when you are, you know jumping into the pool by yourself yes. in order to create something for yourself. And we, so we actually embraced that to your point around, and Kara's point of, let's, why are we apologizing for being women? And we said, well, we can start something. We love being entrepreneurial, but we can actually jump. We also are at this point in our careers where we're really good at what we did. And 
it and felt you a little bit like dance. dialing. Yes, and it felt like not dialing it in, but don't we want to learn something new? Yeah. And we want to be intellectually challenged. And so we thought, okay, well, let's be entrepreneurial. Let's jump to the other side of the table and let's learn something new. We've raised hundreds of millions of dollars between us from venture capitalists. Let's change, let's change the narrative and use our narrative to do that together. And that's what we did. So I, we, we agreed to do it one morning after I, I accepted a job. Called Kara immediately after I accepted and said, I've made a terrible mistake. I don't want to do this. She said, we start tomorrow. I called them back and said, I'm not taking the job, but I actually have a much better person for you. And he ended up actually taking the job. We met, and I still can remember it. We went to M Street Kitchen in Santa Monica, toasted and started on our values and just talked about what are the values we want. We, said, we didn't know if we, we still at that point, we, we had been talking venture for a long time, but we, listen, if some great business startup concept came to us, we would have done that too, right? But well, we did sort of do that actually well, along the way. We might but have accidentally also done intent. that. <laughs> um, but literally we just said, okay, it's not, let's not start with what we're going to do. Let's start with how we're going to do it. All right. And you know, that I think getting back to the partnership and the, and the kind of people we are. And also that really creates your thesis. It really does. You know, I think that, um, the most successful firms that are investing in companies, be it, it could be PE, it can be, you know, micro funds, it can be angels. I don't care what it is. You need to have a thesis because without a thesis, you don't become an expert and you don't have something that you can stand to. And so- you can always you if you fall back on that thesis again and again and again, it helps you make the right decisions. Absolutely, it 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 it's the the day we decided because originally we were going to be a sort of a la female founders fund or built by girls, um, something along those lines, and we actually realized with through a great conversation with Mark Suster, um, actually who listened to our pitch. We went, I've known Mark for years. We went and sort of had a casual conversation with him, took him through what we were doing. And at the end, very Mark style, he was like, can I, can I be a, can I be your pitch coach? And we said, sure. And he's like, it sucks. (laughs) That's hilarious. And he said, here's, you came in here and told me a story about investing in women that any two women with, who've been in this business for a few years could come in and tell. That's not what differentiates you. It's amazing how we're both marketers and we would say the exact same thing to other people when it comes to yourself. It's a very Dr. Heal I Yes, right? yes. And he said, what I know about you guys is that you're the two marketers that anyone in LA and anywhere would, would have you hired. Know, consumer businesses all want to hire Lizzie. Enterprise businesses all want to hire Kara. Like he's like, it's just, that's, you guys understand. He said marketing and then we met with Ann Winblad the next week yeah. and told her the story and she said, it's go to market. You guys understand how to take entrepreneurial ideas to market. And when we were able to leverage that, really this sort of substance, not just being women, it's it's who we are as our values, our experience, and then put the overlay of we understand commerce. Mm-hmm. She understands the front end of it. I understand the back end of it. And we focused in on that transforming the future of commerce thesis with a strong and conscious bias so it have to towards formulate brilliant, your thesis. diverse leadership right. And also help you formulate how you're going to pitch to LPs yeah. and what separates you from other people they're going to invest in. Our whole life got easier after that. Right, because you were articulate um, and it was very easy because that's what you've done. 
And also as marketers, it's what we've done building brands our whole career, right? How do you get your value proposition crisply out there and how do you tell the story? And as soon as we did it, it just felt so natural. Yes. It was instantly like a second skin. Which is amazing. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. So you started raising money, which is always fun. And I actually have to say, I mean, I've never... I raise money all the time for every company I'm invested in, but that's a different thing. I think it's really healthy for venture funds to raise money because then they know what it's like for their companies to raise money. And it's just not pretty. Um, you know, it sucks. It's and it's very hard, particularly on your first fund. But the key, as we know, is that you want to have the right investors that are interested in you for your third fund. Right, because they don't—they're not fly-by-nights. These LPs—they are long-term investors, and they're interested to make sure that if they're going to do it now, they know that they've got four funds to invest in. Absolutely, absolutely. My mom, who's a remarkable woman and one of the first women at Yale Law School, minority, um, was in class with Marion Wright Edelman and Eleanor Holmes Norton. Went and started. The only job she could get after law school was in the government, and then she started. She joined a law firm as a partner in DC. And she, the piece of advice I always remember that she gave me about her own business, because she was a businesswoman too, yes. was it's very hard for us to bring in associates who are all bright and brilliant and intellectually curious and, and great at their craft and take them on the journey where they realize at the end of the day, 80% of their job is sales and 20% of it is the hard intellectual work. And it's what cut the wheat from the chaff as they moved associates into partnership and I think the exact same thing applies to people who are, as I've discovered, starting their own investment firm. And I've we've raised so much money behind concepts we love, businesses we've built, but they're all easier when it's an idea. It's easy to get someone excited about fashion or, you know, SaaS technology that's going to change how they profit, you know, make profit and margin their business. And to have to sell yourself is very different. Is a very different skill set. And people had warned us beforehand about how hard it was and how you had to just become salespeople. And I remember thinking about my mom's story and how much that applied because we're marketers, which is a really nice bow and a nice way of saying sales, yes. which yes. we've done our whole yes. career. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't care what field you're in. Yeah. If you're an artist, you're um, a product person, you're a musician. I mean, anything. Yes, the cream rises to the top, but if you're a salesperson – that is really a very key component in order getting your work yes. out there. I mean, it just is. Yes. Um, all right. So you guys decided, let's go. Figured out your thesis. Yeah. Well, we practiced. I should say, not practiced. We first did something that, that we raised money for an SPV. We wanted to really understand Which before I hate, we right, raised. I remember you did that. Yeah. And that was, I hate those. We actually, we, we, we liked it. <laughs> we loved I it. I think it's very frustrating because you're you're hurting sheep on a daily basis when you find those businesses. Here's the and thing. And it's hard. You can't commit. We found a great one that was a little, it was, it's a wonderful deal and it's a wonderful company. And, and I'll tell you what it is in a second, but it what was deceptive about it was that it was very easy to sell. And we raised... A, a lot of money in for that particular one company week, in one week for that and a company. variety of people okay. and based on that we thought well if we can do this we in a week for, for our company our fund oh. is going to be <laughs> god are we going to how are we going to handle it when people oh. want in <laughs> and we just don't we've hit our hard cap people started talking to us about the hard cap do you remember yes, that i do 
That's, That's funny. so funny. But it did prove that I keep point waiting. That it's like the hard cap is like the end of the rainbow. We're like <laughs> climbing through. Where is the, yeah. where is the hard where, the leopard? Our hard cap changed a lot. But <laughs> That's okay. Our hard cap got so softer yeah. and yeah. softer. Yeah. yeah. But it did prove that idea we had that it's easier to sell a thing to people, a, a great business idea, than it is to sell an investment firm. Right. And so then once we nailed down the thesis, to your point, and had done this first fundraising experiment, which went tremendously By the way, the well. company was Tamara Mellon. Yeah. Uh, Tamara Mellon Brand, which is a luxury footwear company, direct to consumer, founded by, eponymously named after its founder, who was the founder of Jimmy Choo. Exactly. So, so I mean, so it was, we're selling, you know, like, yeah, the, everything about this. already had a success. Yeah. This was an easy, this right. was an easy it, win. Easy slam dunk. So then we just started shaking, you know, the trees, our, our personal network trees, and I will tell you, I would probably grade us at like an awkward D or maybe even like an easy F on some of those first conversations. I sort of cringe when I think back about them. And it's not that we didn't feel comfortable discussing our thesis. I think it was just such a different pitch than anything we'd ever done. But to your point, we found fantastic LPs who believed in us and believed in what we were investing in. And are waiting for the results and but believe enough and it takes a long time for these it does. I mean I think that is one of the um I don't know if they're dirty little secrets or or romantic fallacies um which is that you know it takes 10 years to show that you are a good investor. Um you know obviously once in a blue moon there's like some incredible hit. I mean I've met some angels that just hit the right team at the right time. Yep. And I have to say, like, some of them that I know, I understand why they invested in those. And I understand why they came across their desk. For me, that wouldn't be of interest. I mean, just, you right. know, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's a moneymaker. But, you know, I'm not interested in just knowing it's a moneymaker. I mean, there's there's more to it. And I know that's the same thing for both of you. So why don't you talk about what your thesis is? Yes. I, and I, I think you really keyed in on something, Joanne, that I think is so important. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about today and the conversations in general lately are about, sorry, I'm, I'm, it seems like I'm going off course. No, you're not. But it's about, it's about, you know, how we do things differently as women or maybe more broadly as people who didn't come to it through the, the track, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't, you know, go to business school, get degrees in finance, work at Goldman, and then go into venture, right? right. Or whatever the track, I don't even know what you call it. There is a track. There I isn't mean, a track. It's actually but really hard to get into venture. It's really hard. So we, um, but what I, what I noticed about all these things is that knowing who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, what your thesis is, is so focusing and helpful. You, I mean, like how many times have I sent you stuff and you're like, oh my God, no. You know, like, I mean, every, I think every, it's like you're not really an entrepreneur unless Joanne yeah. Wilson has like smacked your ass down. Um, they're like, that is, no, I'm not doing that. But I think what's great about that is you are, you are beautifully unapologetic. You're such an inspiration to us in that yeah. way. You are beautifully, unapologetically doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think they're in the, you know, and you're doing it your own way and on your own path. And I think that is so advantageous because I think what happens when you get into these, the venture capital industry swirl is people are like, oh, I don't want to miss the great deals. Right. Right. And of course, but have you ever seen a company that you passed on? I know the answer. This is a leading question. Have you ever seen a company that you passed on end up doing, being wildly successful, having a major exit and thinking, 
well, good for them, but I'm still, I'm still okay with my decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I never look back. I mean, I'm always sort of, I've seen a couple and I was like, I think I talked to them at the beginning and then I'll go through my email. I was like, wow, I did. I did. And you know what? I'd still pass on it. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, because you, and I think there is this sort of, and it's also a perfect storm. Yes, right? of course. So, you know, we're looking at deals that are so early. And I think the, the the hardest thing about these early stage deals, not that it's not difficult in later stage deals, but more early stage deals, is the capital. Yep. And the reality is, unless you have a $50 million fund um, that you can say, no worries, if you get into trouble, I believe in you. What you've done in the past 18 months is amazing. And I don't know why these people don't see the same thing I do, which happens, you know, 99% of the time. Right. I'll write you the check. Yep. Not a worry. Yep. And for me, I am not in the position to do that. And so that has been my largest frustration um, over the past decade and makes me rethink my thesis because it's exhausting for the founder but it's also frustrating for me as an investor. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. So our thesis is bringing together capital and our expertise, right? Our, our deep understanding of how do you bring these companies, technology and data-driven companies mm -hmm. in and around commerce to market. Right. And we're really looking at the companies transforming the future of commerce. And we think about that in three ways. We look for three sort of substantive aspects of these early stage businesses. And we invest in the seed and pre-seed phases. One is uh, transformation around people, commerce mm -hmm. around people. And by that, we mean separate from assessing a team, which is of course critically, in, in terms of what the company's doing, are they meeting or newly meeting or better delivering on the needs of new emerging or previously underserved audiences. Okay. So a great example of that is a company we invested in recently with Arlen Hamilton from Backstage Capital called Hot Hijab. And they're based in New York and they are bringing a westernized brand approach to the uh, hair covering scarf that many observant Muslim women wear, the hijab. Oh, right. I've talked to them. Yeah. And they, so, you know, the, 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 Muslim population is expected to grow 70% in mm -hmm. the next 30 years. Yep. I mean, it is, talk about emerging. I mean, it's emerging is a funny word because, you know, but growing, fast growing. And right now, Muslim women are, are observant, covering their hair, you know, successfully running medical practices and attorneys and starting businesses and not really having the right, it's not really the right thing. And it's not something stylish along, you know, at the level of everything else she's wearing. So they started that company. So that's a great company in the people category. The next category we look for around transformational commerce is product. So people who are bringing or applying technology and data to deliver product in a new, better way. So I would put Parachute Home in that category. Um, or Rev Cascade. Uh, yeah, Rev Cascade with what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, Skylar Body, mm -hmm. you know, Kat Chen and the way she, boy, the way that she can create value out of data and technology and selling her natural care fragrance line is incredible. Um, so that's sort of taking, that's sort of the product focus around commerce. And then the third is process. And that really gets to the fact that we invest not only in consumer facing businesses, but enterprise and business B2B companies. Um, so those are companies like Happy Returns, which is tackling 
uh, the logistics around all the returns, what I call the pile of boxes that we all have in our houses, it seems like these days, <laughs> yeah. right? So they're addressing the pile of boxes and turning that into a not a, you know, a, a more positive experience for the consumer, but a, a revenue center versus a cost center right. for the, the, the modern commerce retailer. Um, and are you focused mostly in Southern, is it, is it LA focused? It's again, we're, we're a lot of sixties and forties, okay. 60 LA, 40 New York. Oh, we think there's, I mean, there's a really close a tie between LA and New yeah. York. Yeah. You could pretty much cut the middle of the country and just like smoosh those two right. regions yep. together. We got it. You know, yeah. um, which is appears what Trump wanted to do. Um, but yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, that might be the only that might be the only only thing we agree on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm down. Yeah, Let's do I this. mean, you know, that seems to be uh, those are the two states he really decided he didn't like. Um, but yeah, um, there definitely is a synergy, I think, between New York and LA um, for sure, and has been forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. forever. Definitely. We feel like there's that same string between Boston and San Francisco. Yeah. There, as, and likewise, LA and New York. And so that's where we split our time. Yeah, that yes. makes sense. And Asia's booming too. Yeah. But yeah. You, you don't, I don't know if you, any of you speak Chinese, but um, we, we should work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just add that. Let's just add that. Yeah, We're going to do that. that. You can that, get on right? Duolingo and We're just do like, that. play around okay, with that. Okay, note to self t- a tweet at Joanne tomorrow. Yeah. In, in Mandarin. Mandarin. <laughs> Joanne, we nailed it. Great. Well, it's all these are all these are all, these uh, are all visions and pie in the sky, okay. and really just we we kind of said on our list of values that we didn't one we we didn't publish was build some business that eventually will need an office in Paris. Right? Hey, that's, mean, is that that's, is that's that's okay. so wrong? Hey, really? no, that's a good. It's okay. it's, is it's that okay. so wrong? I totally I don't get think it. Unspoken so. anyway, value so. now exactly. spoken. Exactly. I like that. Thank you guys we for are. coming. I love it. Brilliant ventures. Brilliant. Um, and our, you guys are, mark, our inner market great. is And shiny. you guys are, you know, it's nice <laughs> to see where you guys are, you know, versus where you were a couple years ago. Oh, that's nice of you yeah. to say. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's, it's good really to hear good. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not, sometimes when you're in it, you're not sure if you've, you know, have you? No, we have. It's you been, have. You've raised money. It's been you've incredible. Made investments. Like, it's yeah, you've met your people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome to Thank the world. Thank you so much. Oh, Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Our thanks to Lizzie and Kara for joining us on the podcast this week. You can learn more about Brilliant Ventures by visiting their website, Brilliant Ventures. That is brilliant.ventures, not .com. Thank you to all of you listeners for joining us this week. Stay up to date with Positively Gotham Gal. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. See you next week. Bye.